All right, uh, I'm excited to, to introduce uh, Taylor Nguyen. Taylor is such a lovely young lady. And, uh, you know, she has got a wonderful dad. And so uh, you just need to know that uh, I come to really appreciate her father because of her. You know, how many of you know that oftentimes the kids that uh, really have great parents, the kids really reflect the amazing parents that they have. And when I met her over at Badlands, was, was it last year or the year before? She was so sweet and so gentle and so kind, and uh, I really appreciated how she handled a rifle. She, I had to tell you, it's going to impress you about her, and I'm just saying this so you know how amazing her dad is. Her dad must have taught her how to shoot because we were sitting on this rock bluff, and she has my 270, and she shoots 200 yards, hit this rock right in the center. Boom! First shot she'd ever taken from a high-powered rifle. Now, does that tell you how amazing her dad is? <laughs> of course not. <laughs> Sue put me up to that. I, I have to tell you, though. I know. Uh, you know, when I, when I did meet Taylor, you know, what an amazing young woman. And, and I wanted to meet her dad. And, and I had seen you sometimes on the flat screen. And, and uh, you know, two-dimensional just doesn't work. And so uh, last year during Montana Family Camp, it was my mission to find this guy. And uh, I kind of hunted him down. And here he was all by himself at the lunch table, and I beelined it over there. Hey, let's talk. <laughs> right? It was great. Captive audience for about 30 minutes. And, and uh, man, I'm telling you what. I, I don't know if I think I asked you right then. You come out to Oregon Family Camp and I don't know the preach. I'd heard you preach before, so I already knew you're an amazing guy. It's just your daughter was frosting on the cake. You know what? Many of you know Sue. You know he's an amazing man of God. You know he's an amazing man of the Word of God. He's a man of amazing integrity. And I'm really excited for him to help lead out this year's theme on the power of fear. One of the greatest fears, sadly, that human beings have is the fear of death. Sadly, I saw it in my parents who chose not to receive the gospel plan of salvation. And they were grabbing for every moment and every breath. And uh, it seemed like they always had to be spending and getting something more. Sadly, even up to their last breath, the fear of death, they didn't want to go. And yet they refused to respond to the message of life. So I've asked Sue to come and speak and leading us out in that very one of the first very specific fears of mankind that should never ever have impact on a man or woman of faith. And yet, sadly, oftentimes it does. I see it in, in, in people's lives. They're fearful of what is to come and what that would end up in in death. You know what? Death is graduation. Death is moving into uh, the spiritual realm where angels will escort us to paradise and time with God forever. So I'm excited to have Sue come up and lay it on us. Bring it up, brother. Well, that didn't go at all as we rehearsed. So. No, no. I wrote down notes. I had I had this perfect perfect setup. That's that's one of my fears is messing up uh, introductions. 
But I have, I have a few normal fears. I have a fear of, of heights, right? Um, I have a fear of, uh, so I, I say I have a fear of like the darkness because it sounds a lot uh, manlier saying it that way than saying I'm afraid of the dark at times because <laughs> it sounds really lame when you say it out loud. But if, if I have to go downstairs to my basement and I turn off the lights, I don't walk up the steps. I always run up the steps <clears throat> because it's kind of scary down there. Um, not, not even kidding. So uh, years and years ago, uh, there was one time back when I was married, I, I made my very pregnant wife go upstairs into the attic to get a laundry basket because the sun had already come down. It was dark time and it was nighttime and I wasn't going to go up there. Um, so she goes up there. She falls down some of the steps on the way down. See, that's why I didn't go up there. It's kind of, it's kind of dangerous. <laughs> and before you label me as a coward, um, she, she actually volunteered to go up there as a means of making fun of me for being scared of the dark. So it kind of serves it right. That, that little incident also explains why my children are the way that they are. I won't tell you which kid it was, but I think you can tell. You know? <laughs> so back to the fear of heights thing. It's, it's a pretty... It's a pretty common thing, right? Like, let's see a show of hands. How, how many people are scared of heights? Come on. Yeah. Whoa. So I was thinking 20%. That's, that's like 60% if anybody was counting. That's 60% of the people here that's kind of have some kind of a fear of heights, you know? And um, I was talking with uh, one of my buddies, uh, Bud Johnson. He's <clears throat> very well read. And he was telling me that he, would, he read somewhere where the fear of heights is actually a sign of intelligence. Did I tell you he's one of my best friends and who is himself also very intelligent? Uh, the article says something along the lines of people should be afraid of heights because of the potential danger. The ones that aren't so smart, they don't recognize the danger. And so they fall to their deaths, they don't procreate. And, um, and so it's, it's kind of like an evolutionary thing, kind of survival of the smartest kind of deal. You know, I thought I was a big old scaredy cat. Turns out I'm a genius. <laughs> but one thing I don't have is I don't have a fear of death. So you guys are here, and you, you're probably going to fall in one of three categories. It's, it's, not, it's not exhaustive, but I, I, I made three categories up, okay? made these up totally. You may be in the camp that, that does not fear death in the least. Like, like you're ready to go, you know? Um, Lord, take me home. You, you, you're, you're about to go out there and charge and your fight. Um, <clears throat> I think of scenarios where, where, I, where I can be a hero. Like some, some gunman comes in here and he starts like shooting up the place, you know? And everyone gets up and naturally, you know, we scream and then we run away from him. I practice this in my head so that if that happens, I'm not running away, I'm running towards him, okay? And actually, if, if enough of us do that, things are going to get nowhere. But anyway, so if nobody else does, I'm going to run towards this guy, and uh, maybe he shoots me and I die, you know, oh well, because I'm not afraid of death. But if I live, man, what a cool story that's going to make. <laughs> but, you know, those things never go the way that we plan, and, well... It is what it is. But, uh, so, so that's the first camp. The first camp is, that there's, there are certain people, they're not afraid of death. You know, uh, what, what, what Bill said in the closing comments was, that, that's right, those in Christ, we, we, we shouldn't be. We shouldn't be. 
Um, and so with the proper mindset and proper faith, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's where we're hopefully going to get by the end of this message. There, there's another camp where you didn't even know that you were supposed to be afraid of death. Right? It's, it's not something that you, you think about just because you don't think about it. You, 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 get, you got your whole life to live and you're too busy thinking about uh, school and work and all these other things. You don't, you don't have time to even think about that. You don't have time to die, much less time to think about dying. And so uh, it, it, just, it just doesn't happen. And then there's a third camp where on the rare occasion where you do think about death, um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of fears wrapped around that. And that, that's, that's actually very normal. Uh, I, I found out that usually it's, it's with all the other things associated with death and not so much death itself. And so <clears throat> what, uh, this is from the Internet. So I got on the Internet and it comes out like there, the, the, the fear of death is tied with fearing the pain and loneliness of dying. It's like, OK, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, the fear of non-existence. <clears throat> to me, if, if there was a doctrine that I could I could change and Lord, please. Forgive me on this one, but the, the whole idea of hell just, it, it bugs me. It's real. It's in the Bible. The, the Bible is very clear on, on what, what God has in store for, for believers and non-believers and for, for the whole realm, right? Um, but this whole idea where uh, somebody, somebody said, you know what I'm more afraid of than dying? I'm afraid of not existing. And I was like, dude, that's crazy. If given the choice between hell or non-existence, non-existence all day, just, I'm gone, right? Like, that's, that's, that's so weird to think about. Anyway, <clears throat> but the fear of non-existence, the fear of the unknown after death, the most common fear in Western society, this is still the internet speaking, by the way, is that the process of dying will be painful, prolonged, and will reduce the quality of life. And I was like, yep, quality of life will be reduced because you're dying. And it's, it's awful. Thanks for the reminder, Mr. Internet. <clears throat> so, so, so that's, that's some of the, the, the broad categories of, of this fear of death. And <clears throat> I was trying to think of wh where can I go in the scriptures that would really illustrate how, how potent this is. And so um, I've been reading through the Old Testament recently and um, fin just finished up uh, Jeremiah not too long ago. And there was so much good stuff in there. So we're, we're going to spend a little time talking about Jeremiah. And we're going to talk about, I'm sorry, I looked this very well when I said Jeremiah. Um, we're going to talk about Jeremiah. And we're going to talk about the circumstances around his life and um, some of the events that happened at the very end of Israel. So, so you guys will bear with me, okay? Um, in my life, as a general rule, um, there's not a lot of times where I was afraid of death. Maybe once or twice something happened. Um, I was in a crazy car wreck one time, but even then, uh, my, my life is just not in danger all the time. And so that's why death doesn't, death doesn't come to my mind very often. <clears throat> but for Jeremiah, it did. He, he was a prophet, and he, his message, his particular message was always a message of judgment and doom for the children of Israel and for the surrounding nations. Not a very popular message. Nobody liked that, right? <clears throat> and as a result of that, in the course of his preaching, he was threatened with his life at least on four accounts through the book of Jeremiah. And so <clears throat> I've never had anybody threaten to kill me. Well, okay. So when I was a kid, my mom, my mom used to say things like this. That doesn't wake up, which means 
I'm going to beat you until you die. <laughs> and that, that happened a lot. But nobody outside my mom ever actually really threatened my life. Jeremiah, Jeremiah had four times at the very least where this was going to happen. He was, he was beaten one time. He was put in stocks. Um, some, some officials or some priests grabbed him and threw him in this giant cistern. It was very, very deep and very muddy. And they weren't going to kill him. They were just going to leave him there. To starve to death, which is one of the worst ways to go, in my opinion. There's, I've got a ranking. I'll tell you about the ranking some other time. <laughs> but that's, I think that's like third place. <clears throat> so they, they were just going to leave him in there, and he was going to die. That, that was his life. And I think, I think he knew this going into it, because early on in his call, when, when the Lord called him, he said, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm too young. I don't know how to teach. I don't know how to talk. And you know, I, I, I don't know these things. And God says, don't you worry. You go and you preach, and I'll make sure that you're going to live to carry out my message. Okay, that's, that's how scary it was. Because all the other prophets who were called before him, guess what their fate was? I mean, Jesus talked about that. Every single one of the prophets, every time uh, uh, the, the master sent another messenger, they, they took him, and they beat him, and they killed him. Jeremiah wasn't a dummy. He grew up. He was, he was born about three miles northeast of Jerusalem. So, so right there, he grew up there. His dad was a priest. He saw the prophets coming through. Every single one of those guys, right? And so, so he wasn't a dummy when it comes to that. Um, but if there was ever a time to be a prophet, Jeremiah's time should have been a great one. Because he was born when a king, good King Josiah... We, he was so good, we call him Good King Josiah. You know, Good King Josiah got to, uh, got to be king, and when he got older, he started making huge reforms in Israel. He went into the temple, and he cleared out everything. He cleared out all the, the, the idolatry that was within the temple. All the, all the surrounding hills had high places where they would go and they would offer sacrifices. He tore all those things down. During his reign, he found the book of the law. They haven't, they haven't had God's word leading this nation for who knows how many centuries. And all of a sudden, boom, there's a, there's a word of God. So guess what he did? He got up and read it in front of everybody made them all listen until the whole thing was read. This is a good time to be a prophet because they're, they're hearing the word of God. The good, the good king is making great reforms, right? Like, like this should be a good thing. <clears throat> unfortunately, unfortunately, that, that was not the case. Um, what Israel had done was that they had ingrained idolatrous behavior for so long that, that it, it, wasn't, it wasn't able to be unrooted. Even with all the reforms of good King Josiah. There, there was another prophetess who, who met King Josiah or, or gave this message to King Josiah. And she said, she said that <clears throat> because you have such a tender heart, because you're humble, because you love the Lord... The, the doom and gloom that all these other prophets are prophesying on the nation of Israel, it's not going to happen in your time. But it's going to happen. So, Jeremiah is still preaching the same thing that all these other prophets. And as a result of the, the, the reforms and as a result of all the good things that King Josiah was doing, the prophets started changing their tune. They're false prophets, but they did. They, they started saying, there's going to be peace. There's going to be peace. There's going to be peace. See all the good things that are happening? There's going to be peace. Hey, you know this doom and gloom? It's not happening. 
It's not having, that's lying. <clears throat> and so Jeremiah had to stand up, talk to him. So I love good King Josiah, really humble guy. He's not the brightest bulb in the attic, though. He, um, he went and picked a fight with uh, the, 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 the pharaoh of Egypt, um, Nico. <clears throat> and he went up there, had such a good thing going. I, I, don't, I don't get this. So he goes up there and he picks a fight with him. And Pharaoh actually says, go home, go home, Josiah. You, you don't want to pick this fight. I'm actually doing the Lord's work here. And so Josiah still picks the fight and then ends up dying. And then <clears throat> things get really, really bad uh, after that. But <clears throat> so, so the death and the destruction that was um, you know, prophesied on the nation of Israel was so bad. Turn your, turn your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 16. All right, Jeremiah chapter 16. Jeremiah had been preaching for a little while here. <clears throat> they had seen some tremendous things happening through the nation of Israel. <clears throat> Verse 1, the word of the Lord also came to me saying, You shall not take a wife for yourself, nor have sons or daughters in this place. For thus says the Lord concerning the sons and daughters born in this place, and concerning their mothers who bear them, and their fathers who beget them in this land, they will die of deadly diseases. They will not be lamented or buried. They will be as dumb on the surface of the ground and come to an end by sword and famine. And their carcasses will become food for the birds of the sky and for the beasts of the earth. What's coming is so terrible, you would wish that you didn't have a wife and kids to bring into this. You see, you, I, I'm, not, I'm not afraid of that, that gunman coming into this room and shooting. shooting. I, would, I would charge at that dude. If he hits me, he hits me, whatever. But in my mind, I'm terrified if he starts aiming for my kids. And you, a, lot of you guys are, a lot of you guys are my friends. Some of you guys are my friends. And if they start shooting at you guys, that, that would hurt my feelings too. You, you see what I'm saying? And so God, God, God gave Jeremiah a life that had no wife, no kids. He couldn't go to funerals if somebody died, reading in the next verses. He couldn't go to weddings if somebody was celebrating. None of that stuff. That, that was Jeremiah's life. He was familiar with death. And so were the children of Israel. See, by the time that we get to our story here in Jeremiah chapter 40, if you want to, you can turn there. By the time we get to the, our, our story here in Jeremiah 40, Israel had already had several deportations, major ones. And in fact, the last time uh, Nebuchadnezzar comes in and ransacks all of Jerusalem, burns the whole thing to the ground, burns the temple to the ground, that... That's significant because Jeremiah grew up not far from there. I bet he remembered what the temple looked like. You know, his dad was a priest. And I, and I, bet, I bet he saw all this stuff. And so, so he lived long enough to prophesy the destruction of Jerusalem and then live to see it. Like, like these guys are familiar with death. These guys are familiar with warfare and destruction. And um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm pretty sure that they, they got tired of it. So... In Jeremiah chapter 40, uh, I'm just going to tell you, okay, because it'll, it'll be faster this way. <clears throat> so Nebuchadnezzar had just destroyed Jerusalem, took all the really, um, you know, all the, all the higher uppers, and just left the, the lowest of the low in the land. But he didn't just leave those guys. He actually set up a governor, a guy named Gedaliah. 
And so Gedaliah is there, and he gets to be the governor of these people, and he, he's, a, he's actually a really good guy. So what he does is he says, hey, tell you what, if you guys, if you Jews come and work together with me, we can rebuild this place. He says, do not be afraid of the Chaldeans, because they're not going to come and they're not going to bother us. We work on building this together, and it's going to happen. So you know what the Jews did? They listened to this guy. Prophet after prophet after prophet came and told him stuff. They didn't listen to any of those prophets. This Chaldean comes in here, you know, this foreigner, he says, hey, listen to me, guys. Don't be afraid of the Chaldeans. And they're like, okay, let's go do that. And so they go, and they start building up the land. The Bible says that they brought in wine and, and, and harvest in abundance with this guy, okay? So things are going great. And, um, and then one day, there's a guy named Johanna. And Johanna comes up to get a lie, and he says, I think there's a plot to kill you. So you guys know that these guys are already familiar with death and destruction, right? Like, it, like Gedaliah, that, that guy, the governor, he's a man of war, okay? <clears throat> so these guys are very familiar with death and destruction. And Johanna says, hey, man, I think there's a guy that wants to kill you. I even know his name. His name is Ishmael. He, he, he wants to kill you, okay? <clears throat> you got to start taking threats seriously. Like these guys lived during a time when... Those things were real, you know? <clears throat> you know, I was making a joke earlier, but but I've, I've never been threatened with my life. You know, I don't know if some of you guys, like, don't raise your hands, because that would make me think differently of you, if your life has been threatened um, in that kind of way. But um, Gedaliah's life was threatened, and he says, you know what? Don't even worry about it. I, 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 don't, I think that those rumors are lies. Well, he should have listened, because Ishmael got some guys, and <clears throat> they sat down. And they ate dinner together with Gedaliah. And during the dinner, they stand up and they all kill him. Not only did they kill him, they killed all the Jews that were with him. They killed a bunch of Chaldeans who were men of war sitting there with him as well. <clears throat> there, was, there was a group of 80 guys from Samaria and all these different places coming to the, to the temple of the Lord to bring offerings and sacrifices. I guess they didn't get the memo that the, the temple was burned down to the ground. It's gone. So they didn't get that memo. Um, they, they get there, and there's 80 of these guys, and Ishmael's like, hey, what are you guys doing? They're like, well, we're here to bring an offering to the Lord. And he goes, well, come with me. And he lures them into Jerusalem, and it's all burned out to the ground. He slaughters 70 of those guys. Boom. Throws them in that cistern. Boom. Just fills up the, the cistern with dead bodies. The reason why he saved 10 of them was because they said, hey, if you spare our lives, we've got goods, and you can just take it. So they're like, okay. So <clears throat> he saved that. But he, he captures these guys, he captures everybody that was in um, Mizpah and, and Jerusalem at, at that time, and he takes them as hostages. He even took Jeremiah the prophet, and he starts marching them east to go to the land of Ammon, right, where, where the guy who hired him to kill Gedaliah was at. So they start going over there, and um, when they get over there, Johanan, the guy who warned Gedaliah, hey, somebody's going to kill you. He heard about all the all the, the, the ravaging and all the um, you know slaughtering and stuff like that. So he gets his boys and they go out there. They fight Ishmael. They beat Ishmael. Ishmael runs away. And they, they they get all the people. And they come back and they 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 leave the river and they go back to Jerusalem and they they end up right outside of Bethlehem. So Bethlehem is like five miles south of of Jerusalem. So they're in Bethlehem. Which I thought was very interesting. I'll tell you why later. Um, but so they're in the Bethlehem, and then they finally stop. They're like, you know what we should do? We should ask the Lord for help. Because in their mind, so Jehanan, after he had rescued all those people, he's like, what am I going to do with all these people? 
We can't stay here in Jerusalem because the, the governor's dead. And if the king, of Cal, uh, the king of Babylon comes back, he's going to think we did it. And then there's going to be a lot of wrath and there's going to be a lot of vengeance. So we can't stay here. And so they have said, well, let's go down to Egypt, right? Egypt's, I hear it's really nice this time of year. Um, and so they, 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 they wrap up the stuff and they, they start going down to Egypt. Um, but before they do that, some guy says, hey, why don't we stop and think about this and ask the Lord for help? So... <clears throat> Did I tell you 40 or 42? If I told you 40, I lied right to your face. We're going to be in 42. <clears throat> okay. So in 42, I'll start reading in verse 1. All the commanders of the forces, Johanan the son of Kuria, uh, Jezaniah the son of Hoshiah, and all the people, both small and great, approached and said to Jeremiah the prophet, Please... Let our petition come before you and pray for us to the Lord your God. That is, for all this remnant, because we are left but a few out of many, as your own eyes now see us. That the Lord your God may tell us the way in which we should walk and the thing that we should do. <clears throat> Look, skipping down to, to verse 5. Um, Jeremiah said, May the Lord be a true and faithful witness against us. This is, this is them still talking to Jeremiah. They said to Jeremiah, May the Lord be a true and faithful witness against us if we do not act in accordance with the whole message with which the Lord your God will send you to us. Whether it is pleasant or unpleasant, we will listen to the voice of the Lord our God to whom we are sending you so that it may go well with us when we listen to the voice of the Lord our God. That, that is, man, that is, that is some heartfelt good stuff. Everything that they were saying is correct. Lord, show us the way. You let me know which way to go, I'm going to go. If it's pleasant or if it's unpleasant, I'm going to do it. Isn't that a great prayer? I, I would say yes. I would say yes. And that, that's an excellent start on how do we overcome the fear of death. Because we, we, we need guidance. We, we, we need some direction, right? So that was a really good prayer. And then, um, so Jeremiah goes away 10 days later. So they're just hanging out there 10 days later. Um, and, and he comes back. He says, well, this is what the Lord says. Okay. So picking up in verse 10. If you will indeed stay in this land, then I will build you up and not tear you down. And I will plant you and not uproot you. For I will relent concerning the calamity that I have inflicted on you. Do not be afraid of the king of Babylon, because he, he knew what they were thinking. Whom you are now fearing, do not be afraid of him, declares the Lord, for I am with you to save you and deliver you from his hand. I will also show you compassion so that he will have compassion on you and restore you to your own soul. That's the good news, right? I, I think that, you know, given the opportunity to stay and build and God bless you, that, that's about as good as it gets, right? <clears throat> but, verse 13, but if you're going to say... We will not stay in this land. So as not to listen to the voice of the Lord your God, saying, no, but we will go to the land of Egypt where we will not see war or hear the sound of a trumpet or hunger for bread, and we will stay there. Then in that case, listen to the word of the Lord, O remnant of Judah. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, if you really set your mind to enter Egypt and go into reside there, then the sword which you are afraid of will overtake you there in the land of Egypt. 
and the famine about which you are anxious will follow closely after you there in Egypt, and you will die there. There's a, I just want to point out a couple of things here. The, the Jews were counting on the, the king of Babylon to be vengeful, right? They, they don't know him. They just, I mean, they've they seen what he did. But you remember Gedaliah saying, hey, don't be afraid of the Chaldeans. And they're like, oh, let's listen to this guy. Gedaliah wasn't lying to them. The king of Babylon wasn't going to mess with them. Likewise, God is saying the exact same thing that Gedaliah did. But they're not going to listen to God. They, they made up in their mind. They're like, what does God know? God doesn't know the king of Babylon. The, they, 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 they had this notion that the king of Babylon was vengeful. And I think sometimes they, they, they put their own thoughts into this, to this um, whole ordeal. You know, They're like, well, I mean, if I killed some, some dude's governor and that was my governor that you killed, yeah, I'm going to come back and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rough you up a little bit too. <clears throat> so they, they were kind of putting that on them. But another thing is that uh, I'm going to give you guys a quick lesson on predestination. Predestination is a very biblical concept, but the way it manifests itself is, is very different than, than how people think. Right? So, so this is predestination. God knows that the king of Babylon is on his way to Egypt right now. And when he gets down there to Egypt, the Bible says he's going to wear them like a cloak. It's kind of like akin to our, our phrase, I'm going to wear you out like a cheap suit, you know, or I'm going to squish you like a grape, or I'm going to smoke you like a cigar, or I, I ran out. That's, that's all I got. But it's, it's akin to saying those things. The, the king of Babylon is going to go down to Egypt and is going to wear them like a cloak. He, in other words, he's going to have complete dominance over them. He's going to go and he's going to target all their, uh, all their buildings of worship, the, the, the obelisk. He's going to tear that up. Any places that they have that's holy, he's going to burn all those up. He's saying that because God knows that that's what's going to happen. And if you go down to Egypt, he knew that that's where the Israelites would be as well. Because those, those suckers, they're up here in Jerusalem offering all these sacrifices to false gods. You know, when they get down there, you know what they're going to do? They're going to go to all those holy places as well and sacrifice to those gods. And when the king of Babylon comes through... He's going to kill every single one of those guys. But you know what else God knows? God knows that if they stayed right where they were, that if they started planting, if they started building, God was going to bless that. You see, the, the, the promised Messiah is going to be coming from where? Right where they're standing. Isn't that crazy? And so God has his purpose of bringing the Messiah eventually there. Now, the timing's not right, of course. You guys know that, right? It's not going to be until much later when, when uh, the fullness of time comes. But, <clears throat> but God knows that if they had stayed in, in um, Bethlehem and, and just planted and started building, that God would have blessed them there as well. And they could have been the remnant if they wanted to. That's how predestination works. God knows what's going to happen, and he lets us know what's going to happen. And he says, if you do this, this is what's going to happen to you. But if you don't do this, then this is what's going to happen to you. That's predestination. God knows. You, the, the Bible says that he predestined us to be conformed to the image of uh, the character of his son. You guys know that, right? How? Because when we're in him and, and, and we're filled with the spirit and we walk by the spirit, God had already predetermined that's, that's how that's going to happen. Those who are in Christ are going to be conformed to his character. Can't help it. 
That, that's what's going to happen. You get full of the Holy Spirit, you're going to start looking like Jesus. That's what's going to happen. You don't. He, he predestined us to be holy, Ephesians chapter 1, right? That's the whole point, is that, that, that that's how predestination works. Anyway, so, but, but prayer, prayer and asking for help and asking for guidance isn't enough. There was, a, there was a time, turn with me back to Jeremiah chapter 21. There was a time when Jeremiah had to say a lot of these similar things to the people of Israel. He said to them, you know, in that place... If you leave today, you're going to die. If you stay, you're going to live. He actually had the exact opposite message back in Jeremiah 21. Um, <clears throat> okay, sorry. i, I got to get, get through this quick. Let, let's just look at verse 8, okay? Jeremiah chapter 21, verse 8. You shall also say to this people, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. So, so what was going on here is that this is... Rewind in time here. So Jerusalem is not ransacked. It's still standing up. The walls are still strong. The temple is still up there, right? <clears throat> but, the, but the Babylonian army is surrounding the whole place. And they're about to come in. And when they come a-knocking, things are going to be a-rocking. Sorry about that one. <clears throat> so they're going to come in. And they're going to uh, destroy all this stuff. And Jeremiah says, if you stay here and you try to fight this, every one of you guys are going to die. What you have to do is you have to go out of these city gates, out of the protection that we have, and surrender yourself to the Babylonian army. If you do that, you're going to live. And you know what those, those jokers did? Or didn't do? They didn't listen. They tried to fight it. The, the, the king at the time, King Zedekiah, he actually, he actually got up his boys and, and tried to run away. And the, the Chaldeans found him, caught him, brought him back. Um, there are a lot of kids in here that did some awful things to him and um, dragged him away and carted him. But, th but it, they didn't listen to they didn't listen to Jeremiah back then. And that there's, there's still, still after all of this evidence, Jeremiah prophesied that this is going to happen. And it happens. And they see it with their own eyes. And now he's saying, the Lord is going to bless you if you stay here. They just, they're just refusing to listen. And I just, I just don't kid it. And I'm wondering if the, the fear of death, they're, they're so afraid of dying that they're, they're thinking, I just need to get up and I need to run away from this as far as I can. Let's go all the way down to Egypt. Let, let's set up life down there. Let, let's get away from the sword. Let's get away from the sound of trumpets. Let's just get out of here. That, that they're making some really, really ridiculous decisions. And um, <clears throat> anyway, it's, it, it doesn't work out for them. So let's, let's talk a little bit about um, let's talk a little bit about how how we can we can conquer that fear of death. The, the Israelites were, were full of um, they, they, they were full of examples of like what it looks like. You know, it, it makes you do irrational things. It, it makes you um, not listen to the Lord, even though there's clear evidence of it. It makes you go and seek after other things. Um, <clears throat> so the, the the how and the why kind of tie in together. So how do we conquer the fear of death? And why do we conquer the fear of death? It's kind of the same thing. It's to live. The reason why we conquer the fear of death is so that we can live. There was this um, guy back in the, I forget when he was living, like the 40s or the 60s or something, a guy named Howard Hughes. You guys ever heard of him? Anyway, super wealthy dude, super rich, but <clears throat> um, he, he lived a very extravagant lifestyle, had the money to do whatever it is that he wanted to do. But towards the end of his life, 
um, he started he started being really weird, and he had a lot of OCD, and he was he was really he became a germaphobe. He was deathly afraid of germs. You know, he he was surrounded by boxes of tissues, and he wouldn't touch anything unless he picked up the tissue first before he would touch it. He he one time he spent four months in a hotel room and didn't go out of it. And what he did during that whole time was he just sat there and he just watched movies. Nobody was allowed to go in, nobody was allowed to go out. Because he was terrified to be among people. He had um, really, really strict guidelines for his servants. Like if you opened up a can of whatever food and you poured it into a bowl, it, it couldn't touch the bowl. You had, to, you, had to, you had to pour it into the bowl, and then when you picked it up, you had to wear gloves and have towels and all this other stuff because he was just afraid. And, you know, that, that's, that's what the fear of death looks like. The fear of death prevents you from living. Man, up to that old age with all that money, you could live any way that you wanted to. What he did was could hardly be qualified as living. Um, so, so that's the point of conquering the fear of death. So that we could live. Did you guys know that um, the robots are going to control the world one day? It's coming. You guys, you guys heard of ChatGPT? Well, I asked ChatGPT. I said, ChatGPT, how do you conquer the fear of death? And it said, Brr. I mean, we're talking like 10 seconds. Brr. It gave me this list of like six different things. And I was reading through the list. I was like, yeah, hey, that's pretty good, ChatGPT. boy. But the first thing that he, did, he said was, he said, uh, you you got to embrace mortality. And I was like, well, I mean, that's, that's true, right? None of, none of us are going to make out of this alive. We're, we're all, we're all going to suffer the same fate. It, it's going to happen. Some of you guys a lot sooner than me. Um, some of you guys a little bit later than me. You guys know who you are. <clears throat> but, you know, coming to grips with the reality of death isn't the same thing as overcoming the fear of death, is it? You know, coming to grips with... You, you guys ever had a kid try to learn the penny whistle or the recorder? There's enough homeschoolers in here where you guys know what I'm talking about, right? I'm telling you, every single one of those jokers are terrible. Terrible, you know, you can give them 10 days, they're still terrible. You can give them a year, they're still terrible, right? Coming to grips with the fact that you're a terrible tin whistle player is not the same thing as... Teaching and learning and eventually overcoming that and being a really, I'm, a, I'm an excellent tin whistle player. I don't know if you guys know that or not, but um, I'm just, I don't mean to toot my own horn, you know. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> so good. <laughs> but it's not the same thing. Coming to grips with the fact that you have a bad marriage isn't the same thing as learning to overcome that and having a good marriage, is it? It's the same thing with death. Coming to grips with the fact that you're dying and like saying, okay, well, I guess I'm going to die, is not the same thing as overcoming and having a life. <clears throat> so, Jesus came to give us life and to give us abundant life, right? What does that look like? Um, there was a guy named Dallas Willard, and he wrote a book called The Divine Conspiracy. And in it, he made this really interesting observation. He talks about aquariums. And I love a good aquarium, and I think most of you guys do. Does anybody not like aquariums? Don't raise your hand because you're just going to get ostracized. But we, we love a good aquarium. We set it up, and it can be really, really simple, and it can have like one or two fish and a rock, and you're just staring at it, and you're like, oh, this, is, this is so nice. 
you find joy in that. Or you can have a really elaborate setup where it can be like ocean water and you can have like all these colorful fish. But still, the same setup is going to happen. You, you get it up and you, you set it up and you, you sit back and you look at it and you go, man, this, this just brings me a lot of joy. It's, it's comforting. It's peaceful. And, and you're, just, you're just enjoying that. We get that from God. God is a joyous God. He's got oceans full of fish. He's got entire galaxies and planets with stuff that we have no idea how incredibly beautiful, how incredibly beautiful it could be. He, he enjoys this, and he enjoys in, in a sense where um, it, it's, it's, a, it's an infinite amount. And so the, the, the abundant life, the abundant life that God wants to give us and wants us to have, you know, it's, it's not just about the nice things. It's, <clears throat> which is nice, don't get me wrong, I do like nice things. But, but the life, the abundant life that God wants to give us is a life that considers it joy when you face trials. Doesn't that sound like a great life? You know, every, every, everyone goes through things, but imagine finding joy where everybody else finds misery. Dude, you got it made. That's the kind of life that God wants us to have. That is, that is a happy man. And you know who that happy man is? Jesus was that happy man. The Bible says that, that Jesus endured the cross, scorning a shame. Right? He was experiencing death. But what was before him? Joy. Where, where others face misery and where others experience, or expect and experience just utter uh, chaos and, and death and destruction, Jesus was able to endure it because of that joy. That, that's a happy man. And that, that joy is, is us. And so how do, how do you bring a guy down like that? You can't. What are you going to do? Crucify him? You know, that doesn't last very long. Bring him on, sister. The Bible says... Um, Hebrews chapter 11, right, right before that, talks about how without faith it is impossible to please God because he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him, right? <clears throat> our, our friends in the Israelites were in such a hurry to get to Egypt because they wanted to avoid death, they wanted to avoid famine, and they wanted to avoid pestilence, and they ended up getting all three. But, but what was crazier than that is that when they got there, their, their intent, turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 44. I'm almost done, guys. All was looking at me like, keep your eye on the watch. You've got to believe that God is and that he's a reward of those who, who seek after him. This, this is not a people who, who are seeking after the Lord. All right, Jeremiah chapter 44. So after, after Jeremiah had told him all that stuff about if you go to Egypt, you're going to die. Anyway, they didn't listen. So he goes down there and he prophesies. He says, Babylon is going to come through here. Everyone's going to be destroyed. Blah, 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 blah. Um, this is how the children of Israel respond. Okay? Then all the men who were aware that their wives were burning sacrifices to other gods, along with all the women who were standing by as, large, as a large assembly, including all the people who were living in Patheros in the land of Egypt, responded to Jeremiah saying, as for the message that you have spoken to us in the name of the Lord, we're not going to listen to you. Nana, nana, boo, boo. But rather, we will certainly carry out every word that has proceeded from our mouths by burning sacrifices to the Queen of Heaven and pouring out drink offerings to her 
just as we ourselves, our forefathers, our kings and our princes did in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. For then we had plenty of food and were well off and saw no misfortune. They were attributing their, their, their bounty and their blessings to the queen of heaven. How delusional can you get? And then they realized that, oh, all of these bad things is happening to us because we stopped sacrificing to her as much. So let's, let's up that game and let's do that some more. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. God puts up a lot of stuff, but do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. <clears throat> All right, so we conquer, we conquer the fear of death by walking in newness of life through faith, through, through believing God's word. When we believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek after him, that's walking by faith. And, and the same reason why is so that we can walk in the newness of life through faith. So I'm going to close with this verse. First Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 3 through 5. Turn with me there. I'm not going to be like those guys that say, hey, I'm going to close with this verse and then talk for another 10 minutes. <laughs> those guys are the worst. <laughs> First Peter, chapter 1. <clears throat> 3 to 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again. You've got to be dead in order to be born again. To living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To obtain inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Who are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Look. God doesn't protect us from suffering. That, that power of God, it doesn't protect us from dying. Every single one of you guys, unless the Lord comes back, we're going to experience it. God doesn't protect us from troubles or from heartaches or any of those things. He doesn't need to. Death is swallowed up in victory. Death has no victory. Death has no sting. For those of us who are in Christ, we have nothing left to fear. So thanks for your time, and um, God bless you guys.